Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. I'm Caleb. And I'm Nuts. This week, put your right ringer in, put your left ringer out, ringer in, ringer out, and shake it all about. I found the Porfric product built precisely for me. The Sam Adams Variety Lager Pack. Four to five different lagers by the Samuel Adams Brewery. All in one pack. No bullshit. No hoppy beers. Nothing that I dislike. See, I... No I flavor. F- yeah. No. <laughs> I, I don't... See, I don't give a damn what you guys think about this. I don't give a damn what the rest of the country thinks about this. Uh, uh, the American beer industry can be called the American craft hopping industry. That's what it's become. It's just become people increasing the number of hops and making triple, quadruple, quintuple, sextuple IPAs for no reason at all. And this product in an industry full of shit is built to perfection for me. And I wanted to ask you, in what other industries that you consider shit, is there a product that really speaks to you? In a sea of trash, in a sea of barley jerseys, what is your uh, Portland Timbers kit? Of Parley jerseys, um, which are literally made of trash. Yeah, and yes, they were also yes. trash to look at. Oh, I didn't like hot them. Hot take. I didn't like hot them. take. Okay. I oh jeez. See, we, we talked about this slightly on the podcast that Colin and I were on, where you asked us questions without giving us any warnings. We just stammer before we come up with an answer. And that's what I'm going to do here. I'm just going to stall and talk to him about something. And nothing's coming <laughs> up right now. Um, um, there, there's like electronic music where you hate everything and you have one album you like or like some sort uh, of food no. where you hate an entire cuisine, but there's one dish that, that you can like stand. Um, yeah, you you go first. I, I, I'm... I, mm, mm. <laughs> I, <laughs> my brain is like short-circuiting right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm also having difficulties. Um I feel like in general the video game industry is like that for me. I don't really connect with too many games whether it's sports, um RPGs, anything like that, but I'm also an avid football manager fan. So did you also go to the Microsoft Excel World Championship? I thought about it actually. <laughs> like would have given the satisfaction <laughs> yeah i mean i do love me a good pivot table there you go i uh i don't like horror movies they're bullshit i hate being stared i don't understand why people like to be stared it's not fun for me but that being said uh cabin in the woods and dead out are fantastic movies that i love this is very true. Both of those are really good movies. Although I almost wouldn't classify Get Out as a horror movie. A thriller. Yeah, suspense. it's more of a thriller. Cabin in the Woods is more horror. Yeah, Cabin yeah. in the Woods is straight horror. Okay. Well, I'm I'm with you on, on the horror films and I uh, haven't watched those two. But uh, on my list, Get Out. But uh, Common yeah. Thread, Brad Whitford. Mm. Yeah, that's right. He is in Cabin in the Woods. I yes, he yeah. is. I do love Brad Whitford quite a bit. All right, well, it's time to move on to soccer. And uh, this week, our first segment is called United Passions. Our sport has a bright future ahead. In the United Passions segment, we talk about our favorite United, not those other lame Uniteds in Atlanta and D.C. or Manchester or wherever else. No, no, no. We talk about Minnesota United, which we are most passionate about. And thus, the name of the segment is United Passions. Also the name of a trash FIFA movie made by Sepp Blatter that earned no money and played in theaters with one person in it. I was not that one person. so I Wasn't don't... it uh, Joe Leba who wrote a review for 55-1 or then Northern Pitch? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, it probably was Northern Pitch at that point. Yeah. But, man. <laughs> yeah, it, Somebody terrible. actually saw that movie. A, a, a fictionalized depiction of the creation of FIFA. It's like the most wasteful story ever written. Starring Tim Roth, Gerard Depardieu, and Sam Neill. Uh, rated on uh, Metacritic at a 1%, uh, 1 out of 5 from The Guardian, 2.1 out of 10 on IMDb, and uh, rated a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, coming to a theater near you. Maybe that's what we should do on our live show, just have United Passions playing in the background. You know how you go to a club and there's like a guy playing music and there's just some unrelated music video playing in the background to hype people up? See, what what I really miss is when First Avenue used to play like just random... 60s B movies during like set changes 
and like the screen that they have like the upcoming shows that used to be like that marijuana movie that made everybody scared of smoking weed reefer madness reefer madness yeah 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 okay guys we're stalling pretty hard here (laughs) i just talk about the game yeah do we have to i just thought you know new segment it's name you know just just, let's just forget about the game speaking of fucking madness right 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 so minnesota united did travel to seattle and it's uh marketing before the game boasted as usual gamma their forecast in bold letters doesn't look good turned out the forecast minnesota united were referring to was their own forecast which didn't look good it's actually pretty sunny and nice there it was remarkably sunny yeah Yeah, seattle's forecast looked great and um you know it didn't look great the back line hey oh yeah uh but um chish um at this point we could put bud dump and chish into the back line and it'd be better than the one we have uh Okay, so I was actually huffing pain fumes the whole weekend and did not watch this game. I felt very thankful after I recovered in the hospital and someone I'm, told me what the score was. I'm glad you said that now. Just as an intervention for you continuously <laughs> huffing pain fumes. I mean... It has to stop. Are, are we sure that that's not what happened? Like, my pain fumes wafted over to CenturyLink Park. So, okay, first of all, <laughs> moving back to the starting lineup, some changes. Yeah. We had Dan Laddie starting, Bobby Channelworth. In goal. A um, couple others, yeah. Carter Manley got the start. At right back. Uh, Jerry moved over to the left for uh, well, despondent near. and almost to be euthanized. No. Merch. <laughs> Come on. Not yet, hey, Caleb. The store closed. Nobody needs <laughs> to die The man has here. a family, I think. That's Literally. why I paused when I was thinking about it. Should I say it? Uh, I'm just going to say it. I don't care. <laughs> All right. So, Birch and Mears were out, uh, ostensibly with injuries. We had Finlay starting up top. Um, and Ibarra, I believe, got the start as well. Quintero. Yep. yep. Uh, Finlay, uh, Ibsen, and, Sch- and Schuler in the middle. And then... Calvo and Boxall yep. in the back line. And as bad as defense was, I didn't expect much about a Manly. And he met my expectations. He was fine. Defensively, he wasn't great going forward, but that's what I wanted a fullback. I don't need him to be great going forward. Right. He needed to be solid defensively. And he, so, was, he was fine. What went wrong in defense? Uh, marking. 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 Marking in the box. Marking <laughs> everywhere, Not really. finding players, um, especially on the second goal. Cavill just leaves Will Bruin alone, and Boxall just misses the pass that goes into Bruin, and it was too easy for for um, Seattle. And just minutes before they scored the first goal, which was a streamer by Gustafsson. Um, Gustav Svensson. I don't care. <laughs> I didn't say it. I, I'm Swedish. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Roman Torres had a free header at the, at the far post off a corner, and Calvo just... Marked him, marked him, marked him, then like a matador, just let him go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just like, Ole! And you missed. Hi, I've planned that. I'm a great defender. I have respect for myself. <laughs> I mean, so this is going to end up getting published at some point. I'm not quite sure when, but um, there's going to be a fantastic article in EPL this week. Um, basically, e pluribus lunum. E pluribus lunum. Um, where basically you spell out every single time that Minnesota has played really compact, but also marked like they're playing zonal marking. Like it's it's mystifying to me how loose of marking this team has been playing the entire season. It wasn't just against Seattle. It was also against Portland. It was also against Red Bulls. It was against San Jose. And frankly, it, it's it's been happening as far as I can remember, certainly throughout their entire time in MLS. And that's not a... It is a... a defensive mistakes also are account for that, but if they're being told to be to march zonally and also be compact, that's a coaching decision that they're making and maybe switch to man marching. Yeah. And that uh, might... Well, more yeah. importantly, if you're going to zonally mark, make sure that you have people throughout the area that the attack is in. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're playing so compact, it, it doesn't work to zonally mark. 
Yeah. So Mark Watson, defensive coach for Minnesota United, coming in for some criticism in this game, of course. Now, is the answer, besides better coaching, is the answer to bring Common in? for either Calvo or Boxel. Calvo has now had a string of poor games. In this game, for example, he also missed a decent-ish goal opportunity was, towards the late end of the game. It's a bad angle, and he's a center back. If he'd gone on net, I think it would have hit either Roman Torres or another defender who was sliding back there. But it's hard to bench your captain. It's hard to take him off the field, and that's a big step in either sending a message, and it's a big step to make that change in the defense. Um, maybe move him out left, move Jerry back to the right-hand side, and then have Coleman and Abato in the middle. But that also, Calvo brings a certain skill set to the center back that none of our other center backs really have. Um, that's playing the ball and starting things going forward. Another issue is the fact that Coleman is also right-footed. It would make more sense to swap him in for Boxel mm-hmm. if he was having issues. I think, frankly, Coleman and Boxel play roughly the same sort of game. Yeah. Boxel may be a little bit right. more physical. Coleman has a little bit more ball skills, mm-hmm. but it, they're basically a like-for-like switch. I think it would make more sense if you wanted to try out a different pairing to actually bring in Omsberg. Since yeah. he's left footed, he's left footed, yeah, and now, he's also ridiculously tall and man marks. Now, Jake Ruder on Twitter pointing out that this is our first four game skid since 2016. Um, you know, you said it, taking off your captain is a big message. Maybe that suggests this is the time to make a uh, to, to send that big message. I'm not saying it's the right move. I'm saying that maybe something dramatic is needed. Adrian Heath, after this game, at a loss to explain why Minnesota United continues to allow um, early goals without and, and loses the momentum early in the game. And it, it's it's hard to dispute at the, at the moment. I believe we have, what, one goal in the first half this year or none? I forget. One. Now. One. And that one. was Ethan Finley's goal against Orlando. Right. Ethan Finley, who tore his ACL in this game. Uh, yeah. Well, his oh joy. was thrown down to the ground by Al Trodan. That was... Finlay also put up put his arm up to Roland's face. Um, so I mean, fighting for the ball. Agreed, but in that case, both of them. I mean, could have been carded. Ref chose not to card either of them. Unfortunately, Finlay planted his right leg going down ACL tour. Um, bad news for us. Ibarra moved right. Nicholson put left. Did y'all think that combination worked up top? Is that how we need to now live in a post Finlay world? Um, no. Um, (laughs) Nicholson out left I think is probably the smart move I actually think they looked a little bit better once Ramirez came on at the same time they also shifted Quintero out to the right and Ibarra was playing primarily centrally they seemed to switch back and forth later in the game they kind of stayed more right and center yeah. Um, if you harken back to last year, some of the best attacking play that Minnesota had was when you had Abara and Molino just flipping sides randomly. Yeah. Like it, it gave a different look. I think if Ibarra and Quintero can do that, particularly since Quintero's been a right winger for most of his career, I think that could spell some positive returns and and then finally Dunlady being taken off for Ramirez Ramirez getting the goal from Minnesota United did we see a convincing performance from Christian absolutely yeah he changed the game when he came in uh there was no attack going forward for Minnesota in the first half and didn't really start until Ramirez came into the game and was able to hold up those balls um that were through to him and he played like his spot was on the, on the line. There was a moment where he lost the ball near midfield and then tracked back and was basically in the sixth roll for a good minute, minute and a half trying to win that ball back. Mm-hmm. He played and fought and earned his goal and definitely earned his starting spot for next week home at home against Houston. Um, Tintero plays really well with him already and right. that partnership's only going to grow and I've that hopefully that means more goals. Quintero involved again in uh, the goal it's scored. Just a, a rainbow chip. It was mm-hmm. delightful. Rainbow now, chip, rainbow header. 
Dunlady also coming off potentially because of an injury. He's again hurt. Um, has there been a status update on his day to day? Day to day. We're going up against a Houston team that defeated Toronto like C or D five one last week. Houston coming off a a great result. Um, I'm not allowing myself to get excited for the match itself, the the actual game. I'm very excited about them playing at home and the experience, but um, holding my breath. Would you guys venture so far as to share how excited or how optimistic you might be about this result? Uh, Houston's terrible on the road. They're absolutely terrible on the road. There are two wins this year of coming up against Atlanta, which was a great win for them in the first week. I don't, but got the tactics wrong. And their other win was against Toronto's JV squad. I mean, I haven't seen enough from, from them. And if if Minnesota doesn't win at least one of these next two home games, that's Houston and Vancouver, it's time for that seat underneath Heath to really start heating up. Um, I would echo the same thinking about Houston. That said, I'm equally as pessimistic given the last <laughs> few games. I'm sorry, but this is a team that is consistently shipping three goals a game, going up against a team whose strength is in attack. Yeah. Well, we shall see what happens um, this week. And better news from Minnesota United, a player playing against us was not named MLS uh, Man of the Week. So there we go. Moving along, let's go to our next segment. Let's step to the top step of the podium. But the cream rise to the top, oh yeah. In the top step segment, we cover the latest news from America's Division One Leagues, Major League Soccer and the NWSL. First game we got to talk about here. Speaking of player of the week, Johnny Russell with a hat trick in the 6-0 win over Vancouver. For Sporting Kansas City. Yes. Game could have been super different had Yordi Reyna scored in the seventh minute. Really acrobatic save from Tim Melia. Um, And then things just kind of went haywire, just in general, but especially for Vancouver. Um, he had Jamie Madranda scoring gorgeous long shot. Um, Vancouver gets two sent off in the same spell. Uh, Reyna and Juarez got sent off for a fight. Johnny Russell got a yellow for being fought against, I guess. It was, it was probably the right call. Uh, Juarez threw hands into Johnny Russell's face. Reyna dragged him down to the ground. Johnny just like puffed out his chest and like bumped into people. And and to be fair, Waston did a throw a very reckless tackle at Roger Espinosa and then tried to talk shit at him when Espinosa held the ground in pain. Yeah, and Johnny uh, Russell was not having that. No, he got mad. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, real yeah. mad. Yeah, Good. all five five of him against six four to the Waston. Well, um. After this game, Children's Mercy Park renamed Children's Merciless Park um, for SKC, just stabbing that knife deep into Vancouver's ribs and then twisting a little bit, getting those last few goals, one of which coming again, Domo Arigato, Mr. Lobato, scores via his chest for Sporting Kansas City's fifth goal. This week was goal golasso um, galore in Major League Soccer. Just about every game having bajillion goals. Montreal, for example, scoring three, which were not enough against LAFC because LA got five goals in return. First off, you say Montreal. It was actually all Nacho Piatti. Yeah. Hat-trick for him as well. Uh, one of them was a PK. Lawrence Simon's free kick kind of started to change the tide. Um, Victor Cabrera gets a red card for a denial of goal scoring, and yet still somehow Montreal looked like they were going to be okay and then, until they weren't. <laughs> just a trademark Montreal meltdown. Um, goals from Vela and um, Will, uh, Blessing and a couple penalty calls. One was saved by Bush, and then one wasn't. Uh, Evan Bush had probably one of the best games for a goalkeeper that had in five goals. <laughs> no. I mean, just, Caleb, you don't get to no, say that I anymore. Get to. We have a new he show had, format. He had good saves. <laughs> he had some great saves in that game. There were some great saves. But also, but the, his, last the last goal, that Blessing's goal was... I knew, I knew you were going to tell me on that. Blessing's goal was absolute 
just a howler by, by Bush. But you could say that he bushered it. Oh, no. Boo. Get yeah. Okay, I guess. <laughs> I can um, tolerate Mr. Roboto. I can't tolerate Have fun talking about Banger Out. <laughs> hey, one one quick question. Carlos Villa has now scored five goals. He is second in the league's top scorer list behind Joseph Martinez of a team that shall not be named. Villa, what, best signing of the year at this point? It's either him or Johnny Russell. Yeah, Russell started hot too. Um, I would probably lean Vela. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder if his brother Alejandro is going to make a triumphant return to Minnesota United FC. Please, uh, no. God, I hope not. By the way, LA <laughs> has literally the worst announcers Seriously, in the world. The, they're as annoying as the Universe Deportes guys, and they're also homers. It's, it's like the worst combination. And, <laughs> and oh, also, goal so calls that occasionally sound like Woody Woodpecker. Goal. By the way, uh, LAFC, maybe the only team whose parley jerseys look better than their actual kits, because it's essentially <laughs> LA's kit, except without that horrible red YouTube logo. But uh, minus the gold. The gold is like the only good part of LAFC's right. jersey. Houston, as we mentioned before, beat Toronto JV 5-1. Toronto dressing only 16 players for their fourth loss in five matches. The reason that they had just 16 people on the pitch, one of whom was probably some retired guy that they brought back. The rest of the squad from Toronto is already in Mexico preparing for t- tomorrow's second leg against CD Guadalajara, Chivas. So Toronto playing a crap team, getting a crap result. Yeah, yeah. not at all surprising. Yeah, uh, five goals. It seemed easy for Houston in this game. Manota scoring in second minute and after yeah, that was, was pretty... Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, by the way, do you know that uh, Houston player Quito is pronounced Kyoto and not Quito? When I when I saw a player whose name was spelled Q U I T O, I was like Quito. That's great. And then the announcer was like Kyoto. So do you know that Kyoto is one of my favorite restaurants. Where is it? There's a couple. It's a uh, Kyoto sushi. There's one in Roseville. There's one in Eden. Mm-hmm. It's all you can eat sushi for twenty five dollars a person. Ah, okay. Are we like being sponsored by this restaurant? We Otherwise, you're be. just like name dropping businesses it's for no reason. And I eat way too much every single time. Okay, it's mention this podcast for zero dollars after. <laughs> <laughs> New York Red Bulls uh, getting beat at home for the first time this season by Chicago. Unexpected result here. Alexander Katai, the difference maker. Yeah, absolute streamer from the edge of the box for the opener. Um, on the volley too. Don't watch that goal. Then later in the game, earns a penalty. Um, yeah, it was a clear penalty by Robles. Never complained. But Tim Parker should have that stop. Just gave up once. Tatao was back. Was past him. It could have been a red for Robles, and he probably wouldn't have complained. Richard Sanchez kept the Red Bulls um, to just one goal from 22 shots in this game. The reason also, by the way, that I've always felt this season that Richard Sanchez looks familiar to me, in 2013, he played 14 games for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in the North American Soccer League, RIP. So, Richard Sanchez coming in hot for for Chicago. I don't remember that team. The Seagulls team. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What are the Seagulls doing? I missed them. They were were at a game in in Australia, actually. There's some, I forget the player. He scored a bicycle kick and the whole ground was filled with Seagulls. It was very weird. I heard that they bought uh, Brighton Hovalvian. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) No, they just called the Seagulls. (laughs) And, um... BWP gets the consolation goals yeah, for the Yeah, it was Bulls. too late for a comeback. Yeah. Story of the Minnesota United season so Don't far. call it a comeback, because it wasn't. <laughs> Columbus getting two goals against New England, who unfortunately also got two goals. The, this is the team that nobody wants Darby. Um, Roger Kafkin, BRs, Anthony <laughs> Precord hates it. Which, uh, before we get into this game really quick, a lot of litigation-related issues coming up with... PSV trying to sell this team. A lot of news coming up. For example, Precourt today saying some potential buyer in December refused to sign an NDA. This litigation basically revolves around the Art Model law in Ohio, which prevents a team from being relocated without a uh, good faith attempt to sell the team. PSV and MLS essentially coming back. One of their arguments saying, hey, guess what? PSV and, and Anthony Precourt don't actually own the team. MLS owns the team. And Anthony Precourt, he's a really smart guy, guys. He's so smart. He went to Twitter and worked as owner. 
he changed it to investor operator. Holy shit! Like, who thought about that? Nobody except Anthony Precourt. He's so smart. Yo, who didn't think about that? Merritt Paulson, who still has owner in his name, despite the fact that he probably doesn't actually own the team because his dad owns it. Right, right, right. Well, we can talk about Merritt Paulson later. Essentially, Anthony Precourt is a doofus, and everything about this whole move has been mishandled. Anthony Pretort is the kind of guy who would commit a crime and then leave a note at the scene of the crime that says from the desk of Anthony Pretort with the name like sloppily crossed out and like Jim <laughs> Wallace um, underneath it. And <laughs> he is like the wily e. coyote of yeah. MLS owners and save the crew our roadrunner, basically. I do have to say this. Shout out to Grant Wall for making it absolutely clear that the lack of ambition in MLS, <laughs> the buck stops with Anthony Precourt either being too incompetent or too unwilling to stay in Columbus that he willfully sunk his team. And and Precourt, of course, having come out when the news of the Columbus move came out, he, he had come out and said, you need to respect our ambition. Well, guess what? Who didn't respect that ambition? Grant Wall and Brian Strauss, when they wrote the MLS ambition rankings, which very quickly we have to mention that Minnesota United FC came in, uh, what was 15th? 15th. Higher than 21st, where we were last year, which is good. <laughs> Except fine. one of only 23 teams that did not return the survey. Yeah. That Grant Wall and Brian Strauss send them. Repeated attempts, apparently. Minnesota United, what are you doing? This is easy PR. <laughs> Respect us, but we don't want to talk to you. So it's... Yeah. It's, uh, it's I mean, awkward. honestly, like, whenever somebody in MLS says respect us, they do something that shows how unworthy of respect they are. Well, someone who was worthy of respect this week was Columbus's Giassi Zardes, who scored a goal! Yay! Yeah, he's... Everyone celebrate. He's back in form from, what, 2016? season where he was kind of tearing up for LA. Um, he, he, will, he, will, he will not be playing right back for Columbus anytime soon. He keeps this up. Andrew Farrell also informed. Got a great header from across for New England. Unfortunately, into New England's own goal. Uh, Bunbury gets the equalizer. Pania gets a beautiful volley to tie the game up after Zardes took the lead for Columbus. All right, Orlando playing San Jose. Uh also, we we got we were on last week. We were talking about how Sydney Larue had issues with Portland Timbers not allowing her um, son onto the pitch. I should mention both Orlando teams th- this week posting pictures of Sydney Larue's baby boy on the pitch. No uh, word, however, if Cassius was allowed. No, no, her son Cassius not not clear if he was allowed on the pitch. But uh, Don Dwyer did show up and he did score a goal in this game when Orlando's three two win against San Jose. Yeah, uh, Chris Mueller, a rookie, scored in the like first minute. Like the smoke was just clearing from the field. Um, then he also assisted on Sasha Kleshin's goal, and then Dom Dwyer scored his hundredth career goal. I think it was. Yeah. Um, not just an MLS. I think MLS and also USL or whatever professional divisions he was playing in. Um, Taylor Youngworth, center back for San Jose, got a brace late just to give San Jose a false glimmer of hope, but it was. It was not to be, I guess. Nope. Uh, Justin Merrim did miss a penalty in this game because he's not allowed to store this year, apparently. Dwyer went down in the box to earn that penalty, so I think it was uh, karma for that, uh, that dive. That was a penalty, but it, yeah, it actually yeah. was it a penalty. This time it yeah, was, but I'm it saying was. it was yeah. karma for the unearned. The karma goal. was a couple weeks late. Yes, yes. Um, I, I believe karma strips at a joint down from Orlando Stadium most weeks, so she was busy. It's in Tampa. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. FC Dallas played Philadelphia and won 2-0. Um, someone needs to rescue Andre Blake from Philly. Anybody. Just get him away from that terrible defense. Hey, I've got an idea. Minnesota. Is, is that better? Oh, oh wait. Players, better? Rescue from terrible defense. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Sorry about Fine. that. Never mind. Yeah. But also on the flip side, Jimmy Maher is was a steal in the offseason for Dallas. I don't know why either MLS team <coughs> Minnesota didn't look, look at him. Yeah, in- incredible saves from our yet again. He's got that starting shot sewn up until he screws up. Jesse yeah. Gonzalez is going to be on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. Which is um, incredible. Yeah, his double save was fantastic. And again, I don't know why any other team didn't go after him after the Cosmos folded. Mauro Diaz scores a penalty to open the scoring. Already gets that insurance goal. Um, Diaz did 
only played 29 minutes but completely changed the game after coming in so he's an asset for Dallas Real Salt Lake three goals against Colorado remember two podcasts in a row where you were like oh hey guys are Colorado good maybe not no well I mean in uh, this game Tim Howard did get sent off so not for uh handling the ball outside the box can't do that even if you're a goalkeeper so even if you're Tim Howard even if you're Tim Howard like are we sure that it wasn't his beard that touched the ball I mean, they reviewed it, so I'm pretty sure they were pretty sure that. I don't even think he had to go to VAR. I think he just like listened to the assistant referee. It was like, "Hey, did you not see me waving that flag over here?" Because he was way the hell outside (laughs) of his box. So he just sent off. uh, McMathley comes in for Colorado and goal. Um, Keeps keeps him scoreless for a good sixty or so minutes till the 80th minute, minute, where Jao Plata. Stores a penalty. It was 50 minutes Howard sent off in the 20th. So, McMathlete. Mathlete. Doing the math. Yeah. There you go. No oh, calculator man. needed even. <laughs> um, then, Karlach and Rusnak store goals to ensure victory for Salt Lake. Look at Rusnak's free tech goal. I feel like Krylach and Rusnak are like names given to Klingon in Star Trek episodes. Krylach and Rusnak are here with their bird of prey to take down the USS Enterprise. Captain Picard will rue the day that he messed with Krylach and Rusnak from the House of Worf. You know, so... (laughs) (laughs) Nerd! (laughs) Um... Well, anyway, at, at this point, we should take a quick break so that uh, I can I can get some more of my nerd cred um, established. And we shall return with the rest of U.S. soccer and much, much more. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. We're still in the top step segment talking about Division One soccer from this country. Not Division One NCAA, mind you. Division One USSF. Did I get that enough gravitas when I said that? USSF. Or maybe I should do that once they appoint a new coach, right? Now it should be- yeah, I think I think it's fine the way it is. Once they appoint a new coach, it should be like... Yeah. USSF. Like, ooh. ooh there you I go. like that. Right, I like that go. a lot. Yeah, I don't have a loon monitoring nice. anymore. I need to, like... Yeah, oh, yeah. what? That's in the past. We can't talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to talking about LA Galaxy playing Atlanta, losing 2-0 uh, on the day, but getting the more important social media victory over Atlanta That's with right. Cosmo uh, posted... Basically standing with a... With a um, easel that held joseph martinez's valentine's day photo that he absolutely hated and insisted mls take down um in front of joseph martinez had to walk by this photo cosmo holding out a rose cosmo of course the la galaxy mascot holding out a rose to joseph martinez that he then martinez ignored what a dick yeah cruel I mean, asshole i feel like cosmo and i not love that yeah exactly Come on. yeah like Her. never Just mind the list. fact cosmo apparently is like one of the coolest dudes ever totally so for uh, cosmo in this game, of Sorry, course, Atlanta had all to. All Rose Cosmo. Atlanta had to resort to a penalty <laughs> to win. Can't get the the win just from normal goals. They have to get these like fouls and stuff. Losers, let me tell you, Atlanta United FC. Amiron draws the penalty and sells it very well. Oh yeah, he threw he threw his arms up whenever he's touched in the box. Latter day Latif blessing. But it probably was a. Yeah, it looking was. back on it, uh, Martinez. Tries to be really fancy with his penalty and hits the post. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Hello, and then he scores later, so it's it wasn't as fun oh. anymore. Um, but then uh, Williams for draw, drew a penalty in like the 93rd minute for Atlanta. Uh, Almiron converts. Um, games were pretty much over at that point anyway. Uh, LA was didn't show up. Yeah. They did not show up at home at all in this game. It was just all Atlanta all the time. Well... Moving along, Portland continues their winning streak against New York City FC. Hey, guess what? We are like the comeback kid, except not we don't make any comebacks. It's the teams playing us that make the comeback. Seattle, Portland, you know, I mean, it's... There's a thing in college football where a big team will play like a really... Like a, they call it a cupcake team uh-huh. in like the first week to get their confidence up and just destroy them. And... I just want to do some thank yous from the Portland and Seattle fans for being your cupcake team this this season. Yeah. Yeah. So, your season's back on track. Wait, what flavor of cupcakes are we? Is that important right now? I don't think so. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know if I need to resort Notch. to self-care. Gross. Yeah, endangered they species. They are endangered, cupcake. you animal. 
In question, if you came across a loon that had dropped dead I'm on not, its own, no, would I'm you not, eat no, it? No, no. 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 What? No. No. Like, if Why it wasn't, the fuck would I eat a loon? It's, it's illegal in Minnesota. What was in Wisconsin? Well, there are animals in Wisconsin. There are monsters over there. I should know. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I I'm mean, just saying, sorry, if, if it was a place where this was legal, I would eat a loon. Like, it would happen. I, I, why would I eat a loon right and just go home and eat something else? Why did we choose to go to the moon? Why did we choose to do all the other things? Not because it was easy, because but it was because hard. Because it was hard. Yes. Okay. You've because got to do the Kennedy because accent. Because it was there. <laughs> so in this game, the shortest player on the pitch, Sebastian Blacko, somehow got a header. Yeah. I, I don't know. No. He had, did he have like a little Science, ladder that he climbed up? Scientists and, uh, are still trying to figure that out. And we'll get back to you when we figure out what okay. happened in that play. And then give that to Miguel so he can successfully get his headers instead hey, of get he them all Hey, he had a good header, man. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's... get them past the goalkeeper. City never really had a foot in this game. So Portland getting a convincing win. Let's now move on to talking about NWSL. What happened this week? Uh, the North Carolina Courage dropped their first points of the year, which was stunning, especially because it happened at home against Utah. Um, the one-timer from Merritt Mathias from 30-plus yards out. Absolute streamer. It's fantastic. Fantabulous goal. Um, and, and to put it into context, though, the Courage are still running away with first oh, place. 13 God, yeah. points out of five games, and... Yeah, yeah, it looks so pretty good for them. And Sam U.S.'s first game back with them. So um, things will only get better from there. Speaking of only getting better, Orlando 1-0 win against Houston. First of the year for Orlando. And they just so happen to get five of their players back from international duty, including Marta. So hopefully Sidney LaRue is going to be tweeting about games from the sideline and complaining about her time away from there. We uh, Speaking of that game, we also should mention that Kalia Ohai came back from a long-term injury yep, in uh, this game. Yeah, first game since, I believe, July of last year, ACL injury. Um, so good to see her back on the field. Red Stars and Sky Blue tie 1-1. Thorns and Washington Spirit tie 1-1 as well. So... We also saw the, the Red Stars earlier defeat the Dash 3-0 in the week. Ouch. Yeah, not, not so great for, uh, for Houston this match week. All right, with that, it's time to move into our next segment where we get low. And get low down into lower leagues of U.S. soccer. So what's, what's up first in our get low segment, guys? Uh, Tempe Rowdies beat Real Monarchs 2-0. Also the first drop points for Monarchs. More importantly in this game, though, Georgie Ristoff, 57th goal for the club, ties their historic mark. Fantastic returns for him. He's been scoring consistently for six Mm -hmm. years. It's fantastic to see that somebody can come into a club, kind of revitalize their career, and stick around and still be a really vital part for them as they've gone into a different league, into so many different avenues. Yeah. Good it's, for him. It's, it's, yeah, it is pretty incredible, uh, you, you got you got to admit. Uh, also, FC Cincinnati tied Pittsburgh 2-2. The first two goals allowed the entire season for Pittsburgh. And Joe Green's fans defense. Former Loon. Yes. Loon legend. Um, in front of, I believe, just shy of 25,000 at Nippert Stadium. So, very difficult place to get any sort of result. I don't really blame Pittsburgh for letting in a couple of goals. Yeah, points in Cincinnati is a good point for an away team. I will give two shout-outs at this point to other lower leagues teams. First off, uh, the Chattanooga FC, and more importantly, their supporters group, the Chattahooligans, produced a scarf that has the offside rule on it. It is probably the single most important scarf ever produced in American soccer. I purchased one within the first minute that it was on sale online. Uh, The first batch sold out within an hour. They're 
taking pre-orders for second batch, highly recommend you get yours for $30. Anytime someone says, what's the offside? You can just hold up the scarf and have them read it in very fine print. Also want to give a shout out to Fire98SC. Fire Soccer Club here in the Twin Cities plays in the WPSL and is going to be playing at uh, right here in St. Paul at Seafoam Stadium. It's a, it's a women's team in the lower leagues, so come watch them. Their games are very inexpensive to attend. I'm planning to go because it's only a few blocks from my place. I'm just, I mean, how can I not go to a awesome soccer match so close to me? So I highly recommend you check it out as well. One thing that I did find out, there's going to be an eight-week span where there are 37 games between Minnesota United, the local NPSL, and WPSL teams. Yeah. There's like six days in there where you can feasibly, if you speed, make it to (laughs) like 90% Mm -hmm. of at least two games. Uh, Don't speed. It's dangerous. And I should also mention, in case you're looking for other reasons to go watch Fire 98, they have a bunch of gophers on their team, some St. Thomas folks, Gustavus, St. Olaf. So, you know, all your favorite local universities represented in in this squad. So go check it out. All right, with that, it's now time to move into our next segment where we discuss the national teams in a segment we call the system only dreams in total darkness. Why are you hiding from me? Okay, I was going to put the actual song by, by the National as, as background, but now I'm not going to do that. Because you just, sang, I mean, you, you can't sing over the National, man. I mean, I like to think that when I get super drunk, I sound like Matt Berninger. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll just go there's one way to test. There's one way to test this theory. Karaoke night. Karaoke night. Of course. I, this. Uh, this so so, very, so very far, good. our live show is going to have uh, maybe Jeff. It's going to have um, just something crazy playing in the background. And Colin jointly singing the national. Yeah. Well, no karaoke afterwards. You know, like after we're done recording, <laughs> then we just open it up for karaoke. Well, we can't afford a karaoke machine. Just gonna have a mic and just like, no, it's it's like this, and it just starts hitting the national. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, what what happened to our national teams this week, my friends? Um. So actually, some kind of frightening news happened. Um. The Concacaf U17 Women's Championship uh, was scheduled to be going on in Nicaragua. Um, last week and this week. Uh, It was canceled after the first round of games due to riots in the capital, Managua. Um, The U.S. was slated to play Canada literally the day that the tournament got canceled. Nobody could really figure out why it was until everyone started to actually get the reports saying that like two dozen people were killed in some sort of strife between security forces, rioters, very bad situation. Luckily, um, by all accounts, everyone that was traveling with all of the teams from the tournament, they got evacuated safely. No word yet as to how they're going to handle qualifying. Um, the U.S. was pretty much slated to win that tournament, so... Very, very, very sad. All right, moving on. Let's now talk about English soccer in a segment that we call the Stiff Upper Leagues. What are you doing in England? Mind your own business. In the Stiff Upper League segment, of course, we talk about soccer from the land of stiff upper lips. So, first off, FA Cup. United going up against Manchester United, by the way, I have to specify. Someone on Twitter was like, my grandmother saw two teams named United on MLS, and she couldn't understand, and I agreed with her. And that person got like 400 likes. Hey, tell grandma she knows nothing about fucking soccer culture, okay? Grandma can go to hell. Grandma sounds like she's fucking Arthur Blank, okay? (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm just going to say... A match to United. Your grandmother didn't suck it. <laughs> Signed to United fans. Match to United. This episode just took a very hostile turn. That I I haven't ex- I haven't seen this much bad blood related to the English game since like a Millwall Leeds game in the eighties. Like Jesus Christ, guys. Manchester United <laughs> defeating Tottenham Hotspur two one. <laughs> 
if there's one team that I want to see lose to Man United, it's well, Spurs. Anything about this game we should actually mention? Uh, Tottenham was up early on a Deli Alley goal, and there's just... Wait, 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 don't you mean a Harry Kane goal? No, I don't, not... That's so last week. Uh, Harry Kane did look a little bit off the pace, yeah, though. He's not really fit yet. Yeah, Come, he, coming I, back to try to get that league top scorer. And he did play award. midweek last week. So, so yeah. Spurs somewhat not shooting themselves. Wait, did you say Spurs shooting themselves in the foot? I did. You mean Spurs being Spurs? In the next semifinal, Mark Hughes being Mark Hughes as he takes his second team. Of the season out of the FA Cup. Southampton losing to Chelsea. Giroud getting one of the goals in this game. An absolutely brilliant move that you should watch in slow motion as he jukes four to five different Southampton defenders and the goalkeeper who all literally like comically fall on top of each other. It was beautiful. At some point, Olivier Giroud is just going to make a supercut of his greatest moves mm-hmm. and just show that to his like great grandchildren and say, Back in my day, I could do this. Yeah, they just think he was messy, basically, based on that. Arsenal played West Ham United and won 4-1. George Michael, again, not doing so well. Um, Moyes out, perhaps, maybe. No. He he kept them from getting relegated, Well, probably. But no, you know, I, I do know... Honestly, that, uh, at this point, I think West Ham are going to stay up. Well, if if you're respecting Moyes, I do know that there's a team that's looking for a new manager at the moment. So maybe we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. All right. We we will not talk about uh, Arsene Wenger at the moment. Let's then move on to an update about the championship. Wolves have got promoted. I believe we mentioned that some questions about their links to a prominent football agent and whether he might have helped players who would have otherwise not played for a championship side to play for Wolves and thus help them move up Cardiff Fulham and Villa all guaranteed at least a playoff for the promotion um yeah um they're at least into the playoffs um the Cardiff are in second place uh Fulham and Villa are third and fourth uh Fulham have gone 22 games unbeaten 17 of those have been wins on the other end of the spectrum uh Barnsley and Burton are both in the bottom three with already relegated Sunderland um, Bolton, Birmingham, and Reading are all unsafe, but still out of the drop zone at the moment. Sunderland's story, one that is particularly tragic, going down in a dual, uh, a second straight pre- relegation. And at this point, serious questions have to be asked over there about the management's competence, whether all the players should be just fired at this point, and what other systemic changes need to happen at that football club. Just yeah. complete shambles. Sound familiar? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Let's now move into something that does sound familiar. Our final, or it's just a penultimate segment of this uh, show called They Don't Call It Soccer. In brackets, some do, though. Where we cover soccer from the rest of the world that we haven't talked about yet. First up, Julio Cesar, Brazilian goalkeeper who was in the net for that 7-1 loss and better things at other times. Uh... But less has, memorable times. Right, including Toronto FC for a brief moment. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. He had like four months in MLS. Right, he retired after playing his last game for Flamenco. Barcelona have won the Copa del Rey with a win over Sevilla. The important thing here is that Andre Iniesta gets a goal in his final, quote-unquote, important game played for Barcelona. Kind of a very touching moment when he was substituted. He gets the standing ovation from both fans. 5-0 win, by the way. Just yeah. thrashed Sevilla. And Iniesta will be heading to China uh, next season. Thomas Tuchel has signed up as coach of Paris Saint-Germain, ending speculation that Arsene Wenger or others might have received the role. We'll see how Tuchel deals with the personalities in that dressing room. Bundesliga roundup. Yeah, what's up? I was just going to say, note the fact that PSG... Still technically have a manager. Yeah. Unai Emery has not been fired. You think yet. they'll just give him like an office next to his current office and just let him pretend he's the manager? No. You know, next year, like Thomas Tuchel's actually making the decision to give, just give him a phone where the like cord has been cut. No. Bundesliga roundup now. The drama in Bundesliga coming from spots two to four in their table. 
which are the remaining Champions League spots after you account for Bayern being in first place. Schalke and Dortmund um, likely to, to remain in the Champions League because they are with 56 and 54 points each. However, Bayern, Hoffenheim, RB Leipzig and Fra- Eintracht Frankfurt within five points of each other in fourth to seventh place. Hoffenheim definitely helped their cause out. 5-2 win over RB Leipzig. Emil Forsberg just kind of flails his arm out and smacks somebody in the face. Gets sent off for it. Yeah, not, it's fair. Not, not, a, not a good move when your team is trailing. Nabi Keita does get a consolation goal for RB Leipzig, but uh, Hoffenheim again score 57 seconds later than they get that goal. Julian Nagelsmann, the young coach at Hoffenheim, doing a great job this year. Eintracht Frankfurt, Niko Kovac has been confirmed as Bayern Munich's new coach for next year after Jupp Heynckes retires. Um, for real this time, we promise. Cross your fingers. <laughs> but uh, probably not. We'll see him in like two and a half years. Yeah, exactly. Frankfurt are, however, quite mad because they claim that Kovac was approached without their permission. And this has been announced right as Bayern and Frankfurt are to meet in the DFB Pokal final on May 19th. So Bayern making this kind of stunning announcement, demoralizing Frankfurt, um, kind of undercutting Kovac's role at the at the club right when Frankfurt is going up like, for a massive game against Bayern. Bayern undercutting teams below them in the Bundesliga by taking their talent. What else is new? Right. Um, Dortmund's... I think solidified their Champions League spot, though. A 4-0 win against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Jaden Sancho, the English phenom starlet, taking all of the attention away from Christian Pulisic, um, scores one, which was assisted by Christian. Also got an assist on one. Marco Royce with two goals there as well. Moving one level lower in the Swine Bundesliga, um, with three match days left, 14 of the 18 clubs in the final Bundesliga could still be relegated. So if you're on the top four, you might be absolutely fucked. If you want to, like, listen, go go to your closet right now. If you own, like, a bunch of flannel and have, like, a unicycle and some vaping, uh, go, some watch the, go, go watch the second <laughs> Bundesliga, okay? Because seriously, like, you are a big hipster already, and you, the most hipster thing you could do is while someone's watching Bundesliga, be like, this is so lame, but I watched the two Bundesliga and it is such a thrill this year. If you don't cheer for FC St. Pauli, are you really a hipster? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's very true. I cheered for them just because I'm a communist. <laughs> uh, one thing we forgot to mention earlier, Frankfurt got beat 3-0 by Hertha BSC, which is very, very bad for their chances of making it into the Champions League Not spots. so good. Yeah. Um, Darmstadt, who was routed from the Bundesliga last year, in the relegation spot of this final Bundesliga this year to pull Sunderland. Yeah, that would, that would not be good for them. Serie A roundup, the big game this weekend, Juve versus Napoli. Juve with the chance of pulling four points clear of Napoli did not happen. At uh, home, no less. Yeah, Napoli had, had a goal called back in the 37th minute, rightfully so, for an offsides call. But Kaladu uh, Kalabali with the 90th minute towering header um to get the win and all three points for Napoli. Um, the title race is definitely on in Italy. Yeah, let's go Napoli. Uh, Juventus, I believe, has won the last six seasons, so this would be incredible like that, yeah. for Napoli to come in and and get one on them. Napoli, also the first team since 2011, uh, when the stadium opened, the first team since 2011 to hold Juventus in their new stadium to zero shots. So, fantastic. Shots fantastic. on target, right? Like, yeah, shots on target. They hit the yeah. posts once. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, it's it's absolutely fantastic defensive performance by uh, Sarri's team in Napoli. Liverpool played Roma in the Champions League today. Liverpool getting five goals, conceding two. Who cares? Everyone obsessed about, oh my God, they're pulling a Liverpool by giving up to Who cares? They scored five goals. <laughs> Any of you listening, Rome just got its ass handed to them. Yeah, uh, two goals each from Mo and Bobby, uh, one goal from Sadio. The one thing that uh, Jurgen Klopp is not going to do in Rome in the second leg is bunter and hope for a nil-nil draw like Barcelona did when they went to Rome. 
Ron Howard narrator voice. He will. No. Okay. I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Mo Salah better play the full 90 because... <laughs> Yeah, I, they took them off, and then they yeah. almost start too. Well, yeah. not only that, like the entire, it, it was like watching the Hindenburg blow up all of its gases out. Like that's how big the balloon deflated for Liverpool when Mo Salah got taken off. I'm not kidding. Like they looked like garbage after Mo Salah came off. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, I love to. Atlanta Chamberlain um, came off the injury in the 17th minute. Probably up for the year, not looking good. No tests done yet, but when you say that before the tests have been done, he's probably out for a long time. Could miss a World Cup as well. On the plus side for Liverpool, however, when, you know, traditionally when Rome gets beaten this badly, the opposing team gets to go and sack the city. So they, maybe they can make off with some gold and statues and other stuff. And maybe, maybe Jurgen Klopp can now be placed as king instead of buses uh liverpool should ride uh african elephants into right. um rome finished the job hannibal style. started yeah exactly yeah. uh in in less savory news however a liverpool fan has been hospitalized in critical condition after this game two men from rome arrested in conjunction with this attack um horrible horrible stuff um the worst of what could have happened hope never to see these scenes again moving on to a greek Cup semi-final. AK Athens played Larissa and Athens getting a goal in the 93rd or 94th minute through a phenomenal bicycle kick scored by Lazaros Christodopoulos. Christodoulopoulos. Thank you. Um, just, I mean, scenes. Like, hashtag scenes. They, got, they, they go through on a 2-2 aggregate with an away goal. Incredible. Yeah, he chested this ball up and then did the bicycle kick. Like it was so impressive, and also the Greek leagues have the best names. I'm pretty sure that's the rule that they have over there. Like we thought that there was an awesome name in Chris Duopolis, but his first name is Lazaros. Yeah, I think there's a rule of the player's last name isn't more than five syllables long. They can't be signed for a team. So I, I'm I I just heard that, but I mean. Speaking of I things, speaking of things we've heard, it's now time for the final segment of today's episode, Soccer Things, where Colin dips into the deep, dark corners of the soccer world to bring you stories you won't and shouldn't believe. No, I won't. Mentiroso. No, no, fuck that. I'm, I'm talking about Arsene Wenger. I'm sorry, like... Conspiracies can wait for one more week, okay? Arsene Wenger is the reason that I and I think far more American fans... God damn it, Notch! (laughs) You don't need to play the sad violins about this. The man was there for 22 years. I'm sorry. Arsene Wenger is the reason that... Probably, dare I say it, most American fans got into soccer. Not necessarily because of him personally, not because of Arsenal, but the fact that he brought in the idea that you could actually beat teams that play just physical, knock people out, route one soccer. You could beat them with technique. You could beat them with tactics. You could beat them with finesse. You could beat them by actually playing soccer that's worth watching. And that was what gripped me when I was first coming into the game. I saw that, yeah, there was this style of play that you could tell there was thought behind it. You could tell that when somebody was on the ball, they weren't just thinking, I need to run through this person. They were thinking, okay, should I dart to the left and break their ankles this way? Or should I do like a swoop pass into the center? Like, those Arsenal teams back then were doing 
insane things in Wenger's first decade. Granted, I got into Arsenal during the second decade when things were far leaner. But regardless, Wenger was... uh, He was the first one to really push the English game into that different sphere. And because of that, you saw teams like Manchester United and Liverpool bring in flair players. They brought in guys who could actually, you know, replicate what Wenger was doing. You saw teams figure out how to play defense rather than get yellow cards. The English game suddenly became interesting rather than just a bunch of dour 1-0 games. And because of that, that's what made English soccer accessible to so many American fans. When you look at how many fans Arsenal has in the United States, it's a testament to the fact that when these people were getting into soccer, Arsenal were doing the innovative stuff. That's what got me into this game. So if you hate listening to me, you can blame Arsene Wenger all you want, and I can blame him for a shit ton of agony over the last 12 years, peppered in, of course, with a couple of FA Cup wins. But as much as I've ragged on him throughout this podcast, I've done it because I've wanted to see him be successful to match up with what he did to get me into the game. I think Arsenal fans are going to realize next year just how bad it is to lose someone who's been in charge for 22 years. Manchester United fans had that wonderful experience several years ago. I think they deserved it given the streak that they were coming off of. But Arsenal fans, I don't think, have that same um, recent set of good results. If you look at us, there's a great graph posted on Reddit which showed 22 years of Arsenal. 22 years with Wenger, 22 years before and 22 years prior to even that. And it's clear to see just how much of an impact Wenger has made in the positives column. I know growing up in India, Arsene Wenger was, I mean, when you were little, you just assumed Arsenal was named for him. So Honestly, I so, thought that too. I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to get David Moisnell or like Sam Allardyce-nil, So Don't say Sam Allardyce in front of Holland. He will freak out. <laughs> so, no, what no, did no, no, I no, just it's, it's okay. say? He was just about, joking. He was so, just joking. So. It's okay. Now we just wait with bated breath to see where Wenger shows up. One of his interviews recently, he said that he's been working seven days a week for 22 years he said he has worked every single day so i can't imagine the man just taking off and retiring i know he's probably going to go somewhere else um we'll see where he ends up he is known to be a coach who isn't one who um is strong in the active coaching department he likes to assemble the parts and let them just play um so i I don't know if he's the what we need at Minnesota United or anything like that, but I'm just saying, U.S. national team, the Italian national team, there are, there are places, the French national, there are places that are that could use a 68 year old manager who's seen high level soccer for 22 years. I'm just gonna throw this out there. Um, I assume that he's going to be the manager of France after the World Cup. I don't, regardless of what happens for them. Uh, that would be what I'd bet. As far as what Arsenal does after this, yeah, people are going to absolutely eat crow when they've spent the last four or five years saying Wenger out, Wenger out, Wenger out. They're going to see that it is very difficult for these other teams. I think it's part of that process that top-level teams go through where it takes you know four or five years to assess a manager's quality. You're not going to get a 22-year guy, but at the very least, you know, the first year is going to suck. Well, and, and we saw, even with Manchester United, where they had this really nicely laid transition plan. Things can go wrong. So Arsenal's way, which was kind of unexpected, uh, maybe some hints leading up to it, but nothing. It, this was a bit of a shock. Maybe it'll it'll show its own type of dividend. So so we'll see. Um, hoping for the best for Mr. Wenger. 
But um, with that, it's time for us to draw a close to this rebooted edition of We Call It Soccer. Where can the good people find your rebooted tweets on Twitter? We're supposed to reboot our tweets? Yeah, oh, told you. Damn it. Shit. Um, well, I'm still at Kalesen716. I also work for 551. Special thanks to Tectonics for the user song Lustless. As How do you know I like. haven't used a different piece of music for our intro? Maybe I rebooted that too. Well, I just said that, so we can't think this episode. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> uh, you can find me over at The Attachment. Um, you can also find uh, my writing over at E Pluribus Lunum. Um, should have a piece this week with a couple of extra thoughts on how to tactically solve the defensive woes. You can find me at TWO United Fans. You can find this podcast on fine podcast providers everywhere. You should leave us a review on iTunes. You should share this podcast with your friends. And with that, it's time for us to end another episode of Week All at Soccer. We shall return to you next week with all the soccer news from America and the rest of the world. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.